Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hollywood Sports Mom. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Hollywood Sports Mom. I'm Carol, and this is where we talk about everything. We talk about athletes. I hate athletes. I like. Um, same with celebs. We talk about sports stuff. We talk about mom stuff. We talk about parenting, and we talk about life, crazy life, and some of the curveballs that are thrown at us. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Our episode today is called Everything Boobs. Yes, it is. Okay, It's Everything Boobs. As I sit here and for some reason go like this, I don't know why. It was just natural. But anyway, Everything Boobs. And it's going to be some fun stuff, but it's also going to be serious stuff. We are going to talk about my uh, incident with early breast cancer. And we're going to talk about my guests in... Um, journey with the BRCA gene, which I bet many of you don't even know what it is. Now, before I introduce her, any guys who are watching and are like, oh gosh, I thought this was going to be like real, real boob stuff. No, you have a duty to listen because if you have a wife, if you have a daughter, you have a girlfriend, you have a mother, you have a friend that's a chick, you need to listen about this because it's really important, but I promise we're going to make it fun. So hi, Nikki. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us all the way from Virginia. How is life in Virginia? Life is good. Life is hot in Virginia. Yeah, it's just as hot here. I know. Um, so just, I mean, in the interest of being completely transparent, Nikki and I have been the best of friends for 45 years. Cheers. It's actually been a little longer than 45, but let's not age. <laughs> we're just, yeah, we're just, thanks for calling, I'm calling my bluff. Okay. Mm. <laughs> That's why we're allowed to drink wine, because it's like, I think Hoda and Kathy Lee started it, but whatever, it's the weekend we're going to do it. Okay, so Nikki's been my best friend for 45 years. Do the math, figure it out, say, how's that possible? It's possible because we were neighbors. We grew up next to each other, and we have been through every, every chapter and journey of life together. And I mean, it's kind of funny we're doing an episode called Everything Boobs, because we grew up as two of the most flat-chested girls in our school. Factual. <laughs> Factual. Okay. I was, I know, like the elementary school boys were awful. Like, you know, I got dumped for Stacey Panquits because I didn't have boobs. And yeah, we know who did that. We won't say his name, Mark. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I know not, not that we carry this with us to this day, but who would have thought that here we end up nearly 50 years old with great implants. <laughs> We Not, have the itty bitty titty committee right here. Yeah. Okay. See, <laughs> all the names you called us boys still stay with us. Were there any others? Am I allowed to say it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one that stuck with me was uh, Nikki's a carpenter's best friend, flat as a board, easy to screw. So thanks for that. Thanks for that in seventh grade. <laughs> okay. But apparently I was supposed to have double D's in seventh grade. Okay. And, and not that we're not over it or anything, guys. <laughs> okay. Not that we carry these emotional scars with us, but we just want to say. Um, I almost think we should have, because a lot of these guys we still talk to. I mean, they're our grammar school friends. I think we should have them on at some point to atone for their sins, but that's 100%. just that. Yeah. 100%. I, I feel like, I feel like mm -hmm. they, they should have to sit here. But anyway, um, so we're having fun. Again, um, new boobs, not by choice for both of us, but very two interesting journeys that we're going to talk about and a serious topic. And- Again, mine is early breast cancer and Nikki's. Yours is BRCA, you know, having the BRCA gene and your test results and the journey that went along with that. Correct? 
Correct. Correct. And it was quite a journey. How long do you think your journey was before we get into things? Um, since, uh, 2010, but really came to a head in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So long time. Yeah. Eight years at plus. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we're, we're going to talk about that because it's some crazy, crazy stuff that everyone should hear about. So that, because the best thing we could do is be preventative about all of this stuff. So, I mean, my story, so everyone knows is that it actually starts with a very close family member of mine who, you know, announced to the family that she had breast cancer. And it was a shock uh, to all of us because breast cancer is not, doesn't run in my family at all. And, um, you know, and she's healthy and everything else in every regard. So it's like, oh my gosh, what? And then coincidentally, you know, when I got that message from her and was so shook up, I was like, oh, wow, I have a mammogram next week. Thank goodness, you know, good timing until I went. And sure enough, they find it in me too, um, which was totally crazy um, because my family was so kind of blown away by the first diagnosis that then I send a follow-up email and I'm like, well, guess what, everybody, to the point where people had, they were like, am I reading the same email? Like how could two of them <laughs> both have it at the same time and it doesn't run in their family, which then caused a ripple effect through all of my you know, female cousins and so forth, because they're like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, a BRCA gene or something that's in our family that, that we didn't, we didn't know about. Um, and the first place I went to who did the mammogram, they found precancerous pre cells, uh, that would eventually grow into breast cancer, like right in my cleavage on my left side. And, you know, that being scary enough, I then transferred everything over to UNC Chapel Hill my cousin works there. She happens to work in breast cancer research. So she was a huge asset and she brought me over there and thank goodness we went there because then at Chapel Hill, they found a second spot, which was way underneath here in my armpit. So I have one up here, one way under here. And first of all, that shows you what a second opinion can do. But second Absolutely. of all, right. Um, it, it, you know, really made it even more real. And they said, it looks like it's not invasive right now, but we really don't know that until we get in and, and do surgeries and so forth and, and test the cells. And they said, there's a good chance it'll come back or some might come back invasive. So um, for my scenario, and Nikki, I know you remember this, there was no doubt in my mind. I mean, I'm, I was like, hack it off, like hack right. off my boob. 100%. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get, get rid of the cancer. I have a young son. I want to live I just didn't care uh, about it at all. And I mean, maybe if I was 27 years old, 30 years old, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I mean, cosmetically, like I didn't even care if I got an implant. That's what I mean. Like I was like, get rid of the boob. I don't care. Um, I, maybe I don't even want an implant. Maybe I'll wear a prosthetic. Like I just wanted cancer gone from my life. And, and the doctors were, you know, well, first, you know, everyone's reaction to this is interesting. Like when you start telling friends and I know you went through it yourself, but, um, you know, everyone's like, well, you have, it seems like non-invasive. Why would you do such a crazy thing? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. what you're not realizing is it's in two spots. So as early as it is, thank goodness, it's here and here. And the doctors say those could be the ends of a barbell. Like think of it that way. And it could have connector cells in between that we can't even see yet that are percolating and it'll be there in a year. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, there was, there was, yeah, there was no 
freaked out. Um, I was hacking off my left boob. And yeah, I'm going to run through some of the reactions because they're kind of funny. But my L.A. friends, you know, they had their reaction. I know. Take a sip of your wine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My L.A. friends are like, oh, my gosh, this is great because there's a surgery where they suck fat out of your belly so you can use your own fat. And then they put it into your boobs. And oh, my God, you're going to have really skinny waist. You could have, you know, deep boobies and be walking around. So I'm like, okay, there's like, isn't my waist already skinny? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Thank you. Um, So. So that was, you know, all my L.A. friends were like, that's how you do it, whatever. Um, Then I had some of my cousins who flat out cried. I mean, serious, like sobbing. We're like, oh, my God, because the word mastectomy is a scary word. You know, you, Carol, needs a mastectomy. You know, the answer saying the rosary beads. It's it's like (laughs) the whole world turned upside down. I said, hold on, everybody. Like, you know, I'm not sobbing. Um. I'm grateful and I'm relieved that I caught this early. Um, so please don't sob because, you know, I look at this as if I, I again, I, I'm, I'm filled with gratefulness. Um, so anyway, um, and by the way, we're, we're making light or I'm making light of this. There are many women obviously who get different results and I have two friends right now going through that and, it's, you know, a horrible, horrible disease. And um, they are the real warriors in this. Like I said, mine was caught earlier and a lot of women's aren't. And that's why we're doing this episode because we don't want there to be a lot of women who catch it later on. Um, we want to be preventative and as ahead of it as we can. Um, but I mean, for me, because I guess it was caught early and stuff, like I went straight into warrior mode and Nick, you know, I'm not scared of anything. You're my best friend. Okay. My whole life. I'm not scared of anything, but two things. What are the two things? Alligators. Yes. Racism? <laughs> well, of course. No. <laughs> Alligators and, and mice. Yes. Well, mice are kind of on the list. You're good. You're good. All those years in New York City. It's really like the dangerous um, criminal vagrants all over the streets of California. But mm-hmm. you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I have a reason for feeling that way. Um, yeah. Alligators and vagrants. But um So, yeah, I mean, I went into this full on, you know, warrior mode. We're going to get rid of it. And then, of course, my friend Candace, one more reaction, by the way, she calls up and I tell her the details about the two spot. I know. Right. right. Candace is a comedian, by the way. Candace is like, oh, shit, Carol, lefty's got to go. Like, we got to get rid of lefty. I'm like, yeah, I know. She's like, so can we have a farewell party for lefty? And I'm like, well, I never really thought that. Candace is like, I'm going to bring like a big boo pinata and we can just beat the shit out of and I'm like, okay. Um, and she's like, but I, it doesn't feel right to have candy inside of it, you know? And I'm like, what about water balloons? Like we beat the crap out of this boob pinata and then water balloons. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we're going to have a farewell party. So everyone had a different reaction. Um, and I will say, I, and before we get to your journey, Nick, like my journey was freaking exhausting. It, But the most exhausting part was the appointments. You know what I mean? Like, because you're meeting with oncologists and then you're meeting with plastic surgeons because there's two parts to this. And I know there was for you too, but there's the oncologist that removes all the cancer cells, precancer cells or, you know, tissue. Um, And then there's the plastic surgeon that comes in. And as she told me, you know, we come in and we don't know what's left, like, you know, what's left to deal with. We don't know um, if you'll need a chest expander, if you won't and so forth. So the appointments were, yeah, especially, exhausting. And I got to say too, I mean, going through this, I happen to, um, okay. What's the one thing I drink every day? 
Not wine. Drink. Not wine. Oh, I only do that with you. I was going to say. Um, oh, your mocha. Right. I'm a huge milk drinker. Okay. Huge. Been since I was a little girl. And so I have the strongest bones, strongest hair, nails, like, and I've been really braggy about this my whole life, but go figure right when I'm going through all this, I'm getting the baby out of the car and I twist my ankle. So I have a torn ligaments. So I'm hobbling around in this awful like cankle boot. <laughs> okay. While dealing with all these appointments all over Chapel Hill. Um, trying to carry a baby with the ankle, but it was not attractive. So um, I'm going to talk about my plastic surgeon visit because I know you probably have one too and I want to hear your thoughts. But I, by the time I got to my plastic surgery visit, I'd never heard the word nipples as much as I heard in that 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it me? Okay. Uh, yeah. It's just a word that just, <laughs> yeah, first you're shocked when you hear it like. Wow. Well, just said. and that's why we're going to talk about it today because no one wants to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I remember I walked in and she was like, this is great. You have tiny boobs and they're still perky and you're fit. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to come to this doctor every week because this is like the greatest self-esteem boost I've ever had. The ego boost. <laughs> I know, but, if you, but if you think about it, I mean, I had it on the relatively young side. I was 47. And you know what I mean? Like a lot of older women probably get it. So she's looking at my boobs like, okay, this, this might be a little bit easier. Um, but we talked about everything from nipple alignment, which is very important to some people. You know, you want everything even to nipple symmetry, which I don't know if there's a difference between those. Two. Right. Okay. Okay. And I had no idea that some women could get tattooed nipples. No idea. Learned that that day. And what did you teach me about the... Nipple symmetry, nipple alignment, surgery. What did I teach you? Did yeah. I teach you thing? <laughs> yeah. You taught me about what they did during the surgery, which I did. Oh. Yeah, I had no idea. Had no idea about this, but, you know, you're laying down when they do the surgery, obviously. Right. They will sit you up. You're still out. They sit you up so that they fall naturally and make sure everything is symmetrical and everything. And then lower you back down. And I had no idea. See, you taught me this. And I was like, that must have happened during my surgery. I guess they just lift the bed, like the surgical bed yeah. and watch how it falls. It's unbelievable. Um, nipple symmetry. Nipple symmetry. Mm -hmm. You'll hear that word a lot. So then the plastic surgeon says, okay, so we can do two options here, Carol. And I'm only getting rid of one. And now people say, why didn't you just get rid of both? And I'm going to answer that. The first reason is that my oncologist told me there's no statistics that show that because you have it in one breast, you're going to get it in the other. So she said, your right boob's totally clear. Um, secondly, I may have done it as a preventative thing if I hadn't had a young child. Um, but for me, if you think about it, when you get a mastectomy, you cannot really move your arms all that much. And I had a little guy at home that needed me to hold him eventually, even though I couldn't for about a month and a half, which was torture. Um, and, you know, care for him. And, and that's a lot of weight lifting and, and so forth eventually. So I said, you know, let me just do the one. And so she starts some of the options. She goes, okay, we can take out all the breast tissue, um, especially, you know, under here too, um, because where they found those cells and we can put in an implant. Or 
you can opt for, you know, what we'll do. And she r- runs through the LA, you know, <laughs> version, you know, which is, that's what I call it. Okay. But, um, you know, it takes a little bit of lipo from your belly and then we're going to put it, you know, up in your breast. And then she starts talking about how the recovery is much longer. And she's like, and then we take an artery out of down here and we replace the artery up here. Well, I start getting woozy and that I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, <laughs> Once you mention artery and blood, I'm like, I'm done. Like, there's no disconnecting an artery by my nether regions and putting it up in my boobs and having me wait in the hospital for a week to see if it works. So I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do that. Let's just um, go straight to implant. So we decide that. Mm-hmm. So this is the end of my, you know, so I meet with the oncologist. I meet with the plastic surgeon. We have a plan. And I just got to humor you all for a minute. So I, I'm still on the cankle boot. Okay. And I'm limping and I'm limping out of. <laughs> the plastics. So it's this big hospital. It's Chapel, you know, UNC, Lineberger Center, their cancer center. I'm limping out with my um, cankle boot and I'm exhausted. I'm still woozy from the freaking artery talk. Okay. And all of a sudden, all everyone's phones start doing that really loud beep. Do you know that beep? Like oh, beep, yeah. beep, where it's like, oh my gosh, there's an Amber Alert or something. Right. Only it wasn't an Amber Alert. It was seek shelter immediately, tornado on the way. And I'm like, you cannot make this shit up. Okay. Like, God, you gave me cancer. (laughs) I'm limping. (laughs) I can barely walk and I'm going to die by tornado. Okay. (laughs) So it's like blaring and you can hear everyone's phones around you. Seek shelter immediately. Seek shelter immediately. (laughs) And I'm halfway between the hospital and halfway between this huge concrete parking garage. And then look, I mean, the clouds were black. I mean, it was the scariest shit ever. And I'm like, what do I do? Like seek shelter. What's the best place? Like, so I think, oh, it's got to be the hospital because it's the hospital, right? But then I look over the entire hospital's glass. I'm like, mm, okay, I'm not so sure about that. So then I look at the, the um, concrete and I don't know, is that better? Anyway, I am all discombobulated. I'm limping. Like I'm like woozy from the meeting and like, I'm just looking like a total freak. And the security guard actually came up to me because he thought like I needed like (laughs) real help. And he's like, excuse me, I feel like you're not okay. (laughs) Can I help you? And I think like he thought, I I think he thought I may have been a criminal or something because I was like looking for cars and I couldn't, I was so messed up in my head thinking I'm going to die by a tornado. I couldn't figure out where my car was. So I'm like looking in cars. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, the security guard helped me get to my car. I survived any tornado and, uh, survived, survived my, uh, my early breast cancer scare, thankfully. Um, and I'm going to talk more about my actual surgery day in a minute, but I want to switch to you because I've talked enough. I want to talk about the BRCA gene. I want everyone to know, cause I just was hanging out with my girlfriends this weekend and I brought it up and a lot of them like kind of knew about it a little bit, but they didn't know much and they wanted me to explain it. And I was like, Oh, well, this is why it's great. I'm doing a show with Nikki because she knows a heck of a lot more. So talk to me and just tell us like, what, what is the BRCA gene? So the BRCA gene is, it's a tumor suppressor gene. So when it, it, you know, it's very important in fighting cancer. So when it works normally, it keeps breast, ovarian, other cells from growing too rapidly Mm -hmm. and and basically uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. When you have a mutation of that gene, like I do, it doesn't work properly. And so that increases your risk for breast and ovarian and other types of cancers. Mm -hmm. So um, I have, there's a BRCA1 
mm-hmm. and a BRCA2 gene. Mm-hmm. I have the BRCA1 gene mutation, which is just slightly higher risk um, of cancers. Mm-hmm. And um, so, for example, in the general population, about 13% of women just in their in their lives are going to get breast cancer. Mm -hmm. But when you have the BRCA1 gene, and I'm only going to talk about the BRCA1 gene because that's what I have. That's just kind of what I know. But when you have the BRCA1 gene mutation, that risk increases to 72%. So, you know, and then this one is staggering too. So for ovarian cancer, just in the general population, Normal women throughout their life, only 1.2% are going to get ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. But when you have the BRCA1 gene mutation, that ups to 44%. Wow. So it's just an increased risk big time when you have that gene mutation. And it's not just breast and ovarian. That's the one that they focus on the most, Mm -hmm. but it can be fallopian tube cancer. peritoneal cancer that's that oh, word oh, yeah. sounds like it's perinatal here peritoneal i don't know yeah i, I, I know it's down there it's, it's down there the abdominal yes 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 yes, 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 yes yeah yeah um and you know because we call this BRCA gene the breast cancer gene mm-hmm. you know people always associate it with women mm-hmm. but it's not just in women like mm-hmm. if you have a parent that is BRCA positive and you are the son, mm. you have a 50% chance of carrying that BRCA gene. And that'll increase your risk for pancreatic cancer, oh, um, prostate cancers, and breast cancer in the man as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's in both men and women. We're just so used to hearing it called the breast cancer totally. gene. Totally. And yeah. I would bet you that most of the population is, assumes it's the breast cancer gene. You know what I mean? Like they might know a little Absolutely. bit about the ovarian part, but yeah. the man, like men being able to carry it blows my yeah. mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. And um, so tell me, I mean, well, do you know when they discovered that gene? I don't really know. We can look it up. I I don't. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know when they discovered it, to be honest with you. I mean, my mother was tested in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, And I think it was fairly new. Testing was kind of new. Right. not so prevalent. Not a lot of people had heard of it right. um, and stuff like that. I think it's just taken off with Angelina Jolie having the surgery. You know, it's become, you know, more mainstream. You know, a lot yeah. of people have heard about it. But yeah. back then, it, it just wasn't heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so. And so tell me about the day. And I don't mean to get emotional and all, but I, I was, you know, kind of with you. I was physically across the country, but with you through a lot of this. And I mean, what, like, what are the emotions when I know what you go get a blood test and then someone calls you with the results or something? Yeah. So my maternal grandmother, so my mom's mom and her two sisters, my aunt Betty, my aunt Rita, all had breast cancer. Um, Mm. and so my mother was tested in 2010 and she came back BRCA1 positive which automatically puts on me that I've got a 50% chance of carrying this, this mutation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I was scared. I'm like, not doing it, not testing. Oh, mm-hmm. really? I watched my mom go through a double mastectomy for yeah, it. My mom I'm- had had her ovaries removed 
way long long time ago. 1975, I think, was one of them. And uh, in the 90s was another Mm -hmm. one. So that probably saved your life. Without her even knowing it. Yep. Yeah. And so I watched her go through the double mastectomy. I was like, "Mm -mm, not having it. Um, Didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one day my husband said, um, uh, he said, so we need to talk about um, what my role is going to be in the girls' lives. Uh, Because I have three daughters, as you know, Mm -hmm. 24, 22, 18. But back then they were young, you know, 8, 10, 12, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, uh, when you get breast cancer, what's going to be my role? And I said, what what do you mean when? Mm-hmm. And he's looked at me, he says, pretty high risk, Nick. And I just started bawling. And I was like, you know what? I've been so selfish. Like, mm-hmm. I need to do this for my my girls. I want to see them get married. I want to be a grandma. I don't want to be called grandma. <laughs> but I don't want to be a grandma. <laughs> Mimi, Gigi, what is it? Uh, it's Nini. <laughs> Nini, okay. That's what it'll be. <laughs> Take note, girls. Okay. <laughs> no, Taylor gave us that name. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> So anyway, my gynecologist had, he'd been, uh, he, he's known my story. He knew my mom was BRCA positive. Mm-hmm. He never pressured me, told me it's a very personal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told him I was going to have the testing done. Had the testing done, my insurance covered it 100% because I was able to prove that my mother was mm-hmm. BRCA, one positive. Um, and he said, you'll hear back from me in about 14 days. Well, in six days. I got the call. I know. I remember exactly where I was. Of course. Yep. You remember. I just knew by the way he said, hi, Nikki, from his tone that, that I was positive and all that that would mean. And how was I going to tell my husband? Because we knew we, we wouldn't have had the testing done. Me, I wouldn't have had that done without knowing I was going to go through all of the surgeries to prevent ever having cancer. Right. So, um, got it that were positive and um, decided to have the surgeries. And so had the ovaries done first, the ovaries and fallopian tubes. Um, and we had that done in April of 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor told my husband, you better put your seatbelt on because it's going to be a wild ride the next three days because basically your body depletes itself of all your hormones. Right. And you go into medical menopause. Right. And it was horrific. It was, and this is just my experience. I'm not saying everybody's experience. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Can I just pipe in and say something real quick? Because I I just have to bring up like how big what, what you just said is. I mean, I remember when you were going through that and I'm like, you know, like Nikki had all her hormones like taken out of her at once. And my mom was like, Carol, that's brutal because menopause is supposed to last a long time. And I'm like, well, like how long? And she's like, like 10, 12 years. I had no idea that's how long. I thought it was like, I thought it was like (laughs) three or four years. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. I'll deal with that someday. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you had over a decade's worth. You know what I mean? Like just the shock to your system. Yeah. Must have been physically and emotionally, by the way. Yeah. 
And it's kind of like when you go through menopause naturally, you can have hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. They know a lot more about BRCA now than they did back then even. Mm -hmm. And my oncology therapist, um, my gynecologist, nobody would do hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you deplete a woman of their hormones. I mean, just the mood swings, crying uncontrollably, debilitating headaches, um, just waking up in pools of sweat and constant hot flashes. I mean, it was really, um, I mean, I've got this, the beginning stages of osteoporosis because of it. Oh. I started losing my hair. Uh, it was, it was- Cause just, it's all so sudden, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's supposed it's to be a- To your body. Yeah. It's not how it's naturally supposed to be done. And I I remember, and I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but you had your ovaries removed in April. So I came home that next Christmas and I remember we took the girls to the mall and and they wanted to return stuff at um, Victoria's Secret. And the day, okay, who shops at the mall on December 26th? Only us idiots. Mm-hmm. And um, we're there. And I remember Victoria's Secret was packed and the line had like 20 people. And I just remember you standing there online with the girls and like you were red top to bottom yeah. because the store was kind of like heated. It was yeah. winter. So it's gross it's anyway. Constant. It was packed with people. Mm-hmm. And I remember you going, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I just wanted to cry because it hit me that. This is just, it's so unnatural, but it was so necessary and so gutsy, by the way. So gutsy yeah, and brave. Well, um, yeah, Emma, you know, she was eight at the time and and she'll tell me now, she'll go, mommy, I remember you had those little portable electric fans in every drawer. That yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just like, yeah. 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 So anyway, had that done. And then um, in August, I had the double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, the first part of it, after they removed the breast tissue, they, uh, behind the muscle, they put expanders. Mm-hmm. And the point of that is to stretch the muscle out about one and a half times the size of the implant that you're going to be put in, mm-hmm. that's going to be put in. Mm-hmm. And so I had these expanders and in like every eight days I would go to the plastic surgeon and there were ports. And they would add like one cc or whatever it was to the expanders. Now, I know you might not be able to tell on ca- on camera here, but I'm a slight woman. Mm-hmm. So when you start <laughs> yeah. adding, yeah. you know, my spine hurt, my muscles hurt, everything hurt. I couldn't move. I couldn't put my seatbelt on. I mean, it was like... Mm-hmm. You know, and that went on until about October when then I went under again and they removed the expander and put the implant in. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I breastfed three kids. I am all high and mighty now. So. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> well, so, I got to look at the positive. Well, and, and before I get on to, yeah, I got to talk about the high and mighty. So, you know, good point. Like I only had one replaced. So right now, when we talk about nipple symmetry, like I just, my college girlfriends came to visit this weekend and I showed them, I'm like, I'll show anyone, I don't care. Settle down, Drago, I'm not going to lift my shirt. Drago's in the back like, oh shit, here we go. They're drinking wine. That's all you need Things to are going to happen. Um, but, you know, I show everyone and everyone's like, oh my gosh, like there's no scar. Like everyone expects to see scars and they're like, there's no scar. Everything's perfectly aligned. Like you would not know I have an implant. Um, but two things happen first, you know, for me, um, and I think, you know, this, my boob looks great. It's all under here. It's my, it's my armpit where they had to take all that like lymph node stuff out. Yeah. Um, and towards my back and that's not my surgeon's fault. That's my fault. And it's because 
I had a two-year-old and I went, you know, that month and a half without lifting him. And I have to thank you because you came down and you helped me. And I got to tell everyone, Nikki was the fiercest protector still is of my left boob. Like no one protects my left boob more than you. Like it'll be Christmas and I'll be like doing dishes. She's like, no, 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 you don't lift the dishes. I do it. I'm like, it's been a year. I'm fine. <laughs> She's still protecting my boob. That, that's what a best friend does. But um, just protect the boob. totally. So I will probably need another surgery because I have all this fluid under here and people mm. who like girls who get breast implants just to do it for cosmetic reasons are like, I don't understand why it's taking you so long to recover. And I'm like, I could be wrong. I should have looked this up, but I don't think you got everything taken out under here no. to fit your implant in. And I said, this was the easy part. It's no. under here because think of all the lifting and everything you do. And it's funny, even when I went in to see my plastic surgeon and I'm like, I got some issues back here. And they're like, oh, you're going to need probably another little procedure. And I said, well, we'll wait for him to be older and I'm not lifting him. And the nurse was like, the young, nice nurse was like, um, well, he's two and a half. Why are you lifting him? I'm like, okay, you're clearly not a mom because you try clearly. to get a two and a half year old boy into a car seat who's kicking and screaming because he wants to play with his lawnmower. It's like a wrestling match. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean... I understand why, you know, this is this way. It sucks. I mean, I have to wear like the double, double XL bra, which I'm not double, double XL by any means, but <laughs> it's the only thing that makes my armpit feel okay. I can't find dresses to wear to weddings. It's like, mm. but you want to know something? All problems I'll take, um, you know, because again, I'm alive and I'm healthy. But the other thing I want to say about high and mighty, like you just said, um, yeah is um, that <laughs> I didn't know this and maybe you know more about it. And perhaps I heard wrong, but I don't think I did because I paid a lot of attention to this. But my plastic surgeon said, she was, listen, we're only doing one of yours, Carol. So that means in about 10 years, nature's going to take its course and righty's going to be going like this and lefty's going to still be brand new up here. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, I never even thought of that. And she said, but don't worry because once you have breast cancer, you're covered for life. You can come back. She said, you can leave me today. I'm pretty sure. She said, you can leave me today and say, you know, I just went little normal size. You can come back in three years and say, I'm ready for double D's and we will switch them out. But I don't know. She mm. said, which I think is great if that's true. And I applaud whoever in our government or insurance companies push that through, which we'll have to look that up because that person yeah. deserves uh, an award. But um, because it's true. And I had breast cancer at sort of a younger age and you had your procedure even younger than I did. So, you know, she said, you're going to have to get them replaced someday, you know? So she said, you never know, like you might come back when you're 62 <laughs> and want to be <laughs> that woman who walks into a room, <laughs> which I can't imagine because I wish I didn't have boobs right now, but like, you never know. I don't know who I'm going to be at 62. Um, but anyway, I thought that was really interesting about the insurance thing. And one day I was not long ago, I was in Nordstrom and I'm in the dressing room and I'm uh, trying on clothes and I hear the Nordstrom sales associate talking to an elderly woman and she's saying, oh, you had breast cancer. OK, I'm going to put all your new bras through to your insurance. And I'm like, what? And I walked Wait, out. What? Yeah. And I said, <laughs> I said, excuse me. I said, you know, I have breast cancer, too. Like, what's going on here? And she said, you can come to Nordstrom. I don't know if it's all of them. But you can come to Nordstrom and talk to, we always have someone trained in this and they will help put it through to your insurance and have all your new bras covered because this shit's expensive. And I just thought that was amazing too. It is. And why, why is that not like 
known? Why? Why don't? Why did I have to overhear it? Because I Nordstrom every week shopping. I know. Not just be a list you get. I know when it happens. I know. And and you want to know something? Maybe it's just certain stores. Maybe they don't want to promote Nordstrom if it's only Nordstrom. I don't know if it's other um, other stores. But I just thought that was pretty pretty amazing. Anyway, that was my high and mighty. You were talking about high and mighty um, when I interjected with high and mighty stories. (laughs) (laughs) Take a sip. Okay, where were we? So, okay, so you, high and mighty. I just remember, listen, I remember your journey and I remember, and it, it's heart wrenching because I was out in LA, you were here and I remember you telling me like, Carol, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a pit, you know? And it was when you were going through all that. And I just remember saying, Nick, like it's a mountain and you're climbing it and you're in the shittiest part of the climb right now. And you're going to get to the top, you know, and you're going to mm-hmm. look out and finally see the sun and, and everything's going to feel back to normal. And I feel like that happened for you probably like, what, five years ago, maybe? Yeah, it started to get better. But um, I wore my doctor down. And this is just a personal decision yep. for me. Yep. But about a year and a half to two years ago, I told him, look, you know, um, it's it's quality of life for me right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mother has been on a low dose, you know, uh, hormone, um, her whole life. And she's in her seventies. She looks amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, she feels good. Um, she's had, you know, no issues that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and they put me, he did, he put me on a low dose estrogen only, Mm -hmm. um, uh, hormone replacement. And it took a few months, but I, I, I'm starting to, my hair is starting to grow again. Mm -hmm. They have to keep checking my, it's called osteopenia right now. It's like the early stages of osteoporosis, but they check it every two years. I get a scan. Mm -hmm. Um, My energy levels are up. Um, My weight is down. I I am even keeled, which my husband's very appreciative for. (laughs) Um, I'm back to my loving, wonderful self. Yeah, yeah. And it just it just made a world of difference, and that was just my personal choice. Yeah, and everyone's choices are different, and 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 they are like I'm talk like I'm saying. I mean, this I wanted this show to be about preventative stuff, and you're so on top of everything that if that is your choice, then that is your choice. And I will say, I remember the day you sent me that text. You sent it to me and our friend Lisa, and you said, and you were like emotionally at your bottom and you said please 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 don't be mad at me please 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 don't judge me and I'm like oh my gosh what am I about to read and you said I have to take a low dose you know of something because I cannot this is not the way we're supposed to be living and and I was like no judgments at all like nobody knows what you're going through and whatever gets you through and and like we say now you're all over checking everything all the time um and you're back to being you, but it was, I know how much of a, a hard, hard years long journey it was. I just had someone contact me, an old friend on, on, on uh, Facebook who needed to have, you know, everything removed. And I was going to connect the two of you. And I think she's doing okay, but she was so grateful. And I, I told her about the mountain. I told her about what you went through. I said, it was like, two or three years of the pits and now she is back and fabulous and happy. And, you know, you just got to hopefully get over that hump, however you choose well, to do it. And, and you're also, you're going through that and you have people in your ear going, 
why did you do that to yourself? You didn't have cancer. Why did you have those surgeries and everything? And it's it, oh, they, I know. I did it for my girls. That's I mean, right. I I did it for my girls. People need to not. People need to realize everybody's decisions are their own. They're personal. What I did is not for everybody. Yep. Um, it's, it's a personal choice. It's a per, I had very specific reasons. You don't have to have those surgeries. Right. If you are BRCA right. you know, positive, you don't have right. to have those surgeries. You can have mammograms, you right. know, baby more often, at a right. young right. age. There's a, a blood test, CA 125 you can do that can possibly detect early signs of ovarian cancer. There are other options for me. This was the option and people just need to be a little gentler with. Yeah. People. Cause they, they don't know everything. And by the way, I remember the day you said to me, I'm doing this for my girls. Like, mm -hmm. and that's, that's how I felt too. Girls. And by the way, that's exactly how I felt. You know, I was just mm -hmm. like, I got to live for my guy, you know, like my little guy, like, and yeah. I don't know. Everything changes, you know, when the little people come into our lives. And and yeah, I, I'm with you. And people said uh, people, of course, said the same thing to me. Like, why are you doing something so drastic? You right. know what I mean? When you technically it might be considered pre-cancer and they don't even know. And they, by the way, when they went in and took everything out, they were surprised. None of it was invasive. But I still have no regrets because it would have been. And, right. you know, much worse, worse treatment. And so, and some process. people, you know, I've had surgeries before I've had to have surgeries in other parts of my body. So surgery doesn't scare me. Um, but other people, it's a very scary word. You know what I mean? So that's why it's like, it's up to each person and, and, and what they think. And I know a lot of times you label, um, some of your social media and stuff. What is it? A pre-viver, pre-viver? Pre-viver? Yes. Mm -hmm. So what does that mm -hmm. mean? So I'm a previvor. You're a survivor. You survived breast cancer. So you're a survivor. I'm a previvor. And that's just someone who has an elevated predisposition to be diagnosed with cancer, you know, mm -hmm. for because they've got a risk running through their family, mm -hmm. basically. And um, so and, and does it mean does it mean like you took preventative measures or does it just mean like you have the gene no, and you're keeping an I eye have on the it? gene and that mm -hmm. I am. Yeah, I will. I have a much greater risk um, of getting cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and I have three daughters, you know, have to worry about that. They each have a 50 percent chance of having this. Um, you know, my older daughter's already, you know, she's been to the doctor and as soon as they found out that her mom is BRCA1 positive, they're like, okay, so we're going to test you for BRCA. And she was like texting me, mom, what do I do? And I was like, no, you tell them no, mm -hmm. it's a personal decision. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to tell you you're going to get tested for this. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to make your decisions for you. Yeah. You tell them not today, sir. And, you know, because the, that testing comes with a whole set of, do they have babies earlier because they've got right. to get their ovaries removed? Right. Their eggs, oh my so gosh. It's, it's a yeah. Whole, it opens up a bag of personal. Work. That's a personal decision. And you know, I worry about it. Yeah. But. And you don't even, yeah. Like someone like me, I don't even think of that. Like how it, yeah. yeah, it's like a, it's like a snowball effect. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like it's, just, and it's, I'm sure it's always in the back of their heads too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know for me, I mean, Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal, reveal this right now, which I didn't even tell you, but my day was crazy today. You know, you kept saying, are we going to talk about what we're talking about? And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting to it. Hold on. My day was crazy <laughs> because I randomly, and I saw you two days ago, right? Mm -hmm. I left and that night I was like, oh, my like jaw is hurting. And I grind my teeth and I'm like, oh boy, I better wear my lovely mouth guard. So I did. 
And then I woke up yesterday and I had this huge bump back here, like a golf ball in my, I mean, a little bit less than a golf ball hard in my lymph node, like, like down here. And I got to tell you, like when you have heard the C word, everything scares the bejeez out of you. So I went running to the doctor just three hours ago. Turns out like it's a tooth related thing. Like, you know what I mean? I have to have a procedure on the tooth and it just, when they clean my teeth, stir things up. But it's like your whole life changes. Kind of like you're talking about the snowball effect. Um, It, you know, once you have that word in your life, every, you know, little pain or anything, you know, always has you wondering and thinking, but I want to ask you something too, because, um, I know when I went through my stuff, I was like in warrior mode. I was like, get rid of it, chop it off. Let's go. I'm going back to work. You know what I mean? Like that's your personality. 100%. Right. And I did, I'm like, am I kick the shit out of this? Like I, I was not. And, and, and it's funny because I remember my boss, Mike, he took me aside. He's like, are you okay? Like, I was like, yeah. I was like fired up like Hulk Hogan, you know? And he's like, okay, I want, like, he, he cared about me mentally because he's like, are you digesting like what you've been through and what's going on? But, um, you know, I, I talked to a guy who's a radio host. I was on his show once and he had gone through his own cancer and he's like, Carol, I'm, and he was one of the first people to talk to me after my surgery. And he said, I'm really impressed with how you're back. And you just had the surgery two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. And he said, but I want to let you know, you're going to have your cancer cry someday. And it's going to hit you when you least expect it. And it might be six months from now or a year from now, but it's going to hit you and it's going to hit you hard. And I was like, oh, Joe, stop it. I'm fine. Warrior mode. It's over, whatever. And And I will tell you that fast forward, you know, the end of August, which I had my surgery June 2nd, the end of August, um, you know, my little guy got sick with croup. And if anyone knows what croup is, that is um, when a baby's windpipe gets swollen and they wake up and they sound like barking seals. They're like, (gasps) and you're like, what the heck is happening? It's in the middle of COVID. I can't take him to an ER. And I laid my sweet little baby down on his bedroom floor and I slept with him all night and, and it hit me. I thought, Oh my God. And, and, and I remember I couldn't get comfortable on the floor because of my stupid implant. And then I just started crying. I was so pissed off. Mm-hmm. I was like this stupid cancer, this stupid, you know what I mean? I just want to lay with my sick baby who can't breathe on the floor. And, and, and then it dawned on me that I had forgotten that six months before my breast cancer stuff, I went for a colonoscopy and they found precancerous colon cells. And I kind of blew that off because they're like, we got rid of it. No problem. But the doctor said, if you had waited till you were 50, you would have had full blown um, colon cancer. And then I thought, oh, my God, if I had waited on my mammogram, especially during these COVID times till I was 50, I would have had full blown breast cancer. Two cancers right here connecting. Not good. I may not have been alive at 54. Like, And I'm laying there next to my son and I pieced it all together. And I will tell you, Nick, like I sobbed all night and I'm like, Joe, freaking Joe was right. You know what I mean? Like, this is my cancer cry. This is my holy shit. Like I dodged bullets here and I have to appreciate life and, and be more responsible about certain things, you know? And, um, so I just want to know, did that happen to you or did you, Yours was different because you had the, all the hormones taken out of you. So there was probably tears during. After the sobbing from the medical menopause, um, not so much. I, I think that I just had selfish cries. Um, They're not I, selfish. No. 
You don't have scarring. I have scarring and it's kind of going in now and I can't wear certain things and yeah. I cry about that. I miss my boobs, you know. Yeah, your normal boobs. Yep. Yep. Boob. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Like yep. it's selfish cries, but um, I, I, I think there's always a time when it, you get that in your head and you just, you feel sorry for yourself, even though you're lucky that in your situation, you either beat it or you had the fix to prevent it. And, um, and thankfully I had a husband who cared enough to push me to get it done. Yeah. In his own um, way, which was brilliant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I yours, think, was- I think we're allowed to cry. I yeah. think we're allowed it Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, I think so too. And for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just give you so much kudos, Nick. I mean, I know I have said this for years, but again, like there was, you know, mine was what, maybe four months of, you know, trying times and yours was probably four years. And that's a big ass difference. And don't forget, life's happening. You've got parents, you know what I mean, who might need your help with stuff. You've got a husband who's going through his stuff. You've got three young girls who are. You got girl drama. <laughs> Not saying there was any. You've got soccer you're traveling all over Virginia for. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's like life is happening on top of all these emotions and all these physical, physical issues. And um, I will say too, I just got a test taken because I get so freaked out. Like anytime I get a little pain here or there, Um, like you said about insurance, my doctor said, okay, you know, I also have um, some bladder cancer, you know, within my family and then this, and now, you know, my other relative who had it. So uh, the doctor's like, okay, I think I could put this through. So I got a gene cancer gene test for 30. They tested 36 different genes, which was really cool. And she's like, listen, if anything comes back as positive, now we can be preventative and maybe it'll, you know, help you sleep better at night. And they all came back negative, you know, even, BRCA is negative for me. And I have no idea how me and my family member got this at the same time. You wonder, is it environmental? But then we led very different lives on different sides of the country. You know, I did IVF. You could blame it on that, but she didn't. You know what I mean? So it's like, you don't know, you know, I mean, is there, it's wild, but I got to tell you about my surgery day, just because I like to end things on a humorous note. (laughs) I love this story. And I just, I have to share it with everybody because if you know my husband, okay, he is, he's a superhero. He's the best. He's been through all this. I mean, he didn't sign up for all this shit. Okay. I mean, like breast cancer, years of infertility, the guy just goes with it. Okay. Um, But we go for my surgery day, my big surgery day to get my unilateral mastectomy. And um, I want you to envision, you know, I'm wearing the hospital cap. So none of my hair is showing, you know, it's the most unattractive thing. I got the booties on. I've got my Coke bottle glasses because, you know, no makeup. (laughs) So all you see are my glasses and this awful, you know, hospital mask. It's not a good look. And the plastic surgeon, the oncologist came in. She briefs us. Okay, here's what we're going to do. And then the plastic surgeon will come in and, and do whatever she needs to do. Well, the plastic surgeon comes in to visit. She goes, Hey, they're running 20 minutes late in the OR. So we could just hang out for a while and talk. And so I'm sitting there in my little, you know, Coke bottle glasses. She's here. George, my husband's over here. And my husband, he is, um, he's sweetly naive. Like he's a curious person. He likes to ask good questions and he just is a big thinker. And he's like, he said to the doctor, he said, cause she's a plastic surgeon. He said, Oh, so you do transgender surgery. And she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, Carol and I have a friend who recently transitioned. And, you know, so he starts, you know, asking in-depth questions. So he's like, I, 
you know, like, what do you see more of, you know, like which way, like, you know, female to male, male to female. So she's like just briefing us and my head in the Coke, but I'm just going back and forth, like listening to these two go back and forth. Okay. And then my husband's like, because he's like a dude. Okay. Well, if you're a girl and you want to become, you know what I mean? Like you're transitioning to become a guy. How does that work? And so my doctor, she's such a pro, she's talking very professional, professionally trying to explain to him how the surgery works. And my husband's just sitting there with this look and I'm like, honey, they take the vag and they make it into a ball sack. Okay. Like I'm just like enough. Okay. So he's like, oh, okay. Well then this look dawns over him and I know what he's thinking. Okay. Cause they figured <laughs> no. out that part. And we know no matter what worldly problem might be happening for a man, there's only one thing he's always thinking about. Okay. Sure. And he's 100%. missing that one part. Okay. So he asked, like, how does the main part come about? And she told us, she said, well, normally, or I guess most of the time, they actually take it from your, um, the forearm, uh, part right here, the muscle from here, and then they can form a penis somehow and attach it. So he's just sitting there like, you know, totally blown away. I'm sitting there with my glasses going back forth. Like, why is this conversation even happening right now? <laughs> so I'm starting to get on my relaxation meds. I'm a little bit out of it. And like, they start getting ready to wheel me in. And I just have this panic moment. I'm like, wait, everybody. Like I'm, I'm getting one boob removed, like nothing else. Like I know we just spent 20 minutes talking about another surgery, but like, I don't want to emerge with a new appendage. Like I, I just want to make sure. And they're like, no, Carol, you're fine. We got you. You know, they're fine. And then my like anesthesia starts kicking in even more. And they're like, Hey, Carol, we like to play music in the OR, you know? So what's, um, what's, what kind of music do you like? And I hear my husband say she loves eighties music and I'm half out of it, Nick. I mean, you know, the luck, the man, I'm like, uh -huh. I'm drooling at this point. I'm like, I don't like eighties music. I'm shouting. I'm like, I'm a nineties girl. You like eighties music. I want Snoop. I want Britney and that like the, the boy bands. Okay. That's all I remember. The next thing I remember are the bright lights of the OR and just hearing in sync going, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> say, hacked off my boob. That's it. <laughs> That's the story. But anyway, they didn't uh, they didn't let me down. They played my 90s music. They did not go towards that 80s stuff I don't like. So anyway, I like 80s music. I know. Well, to, to each their own. But um, so we just want to end by saying, have every woman in your life stay on top of all of this, especially if, like Nikki said, you know, it's something that runs in your family. Um, mm -hmm. For me, doesn't run in my family, but um, thankfully we caught it early and you know if you're out there you see a woman in her 40s 50s 60s 70s and she's wearing a puffy blouse and she's got some weird tube kind of hanging out just know that you know when you go through this stuff you got to wear these drains that drain all the yucky stuff out for weeks and they now make special clothing which is amazing yeah. where you can hold those drains i mean there are women right now walking around with drains you know hanging out out of their body uh, draining fluids after a surgery. So if you see it, have patience, say a prayer for them. Um, you know, one out of nine women will get breast cancer. And that's a really, really startling statistic. And if you think about Same. it, I mean, just think of you and 80 of your friends and just know, yeah. <laughs> statistically speaking, one of you will get it. It's, it's wild. And it's, it's, um, it's scary. And we did this show because we wanted to just make it real um, for two people, pretty young, I might say, 
um, who dealt with this. Um, and yeah, to just remind you that, you know, get your wives out there to get checked. Don't put it off. It doesn't matter if it doesn't run in your family. Get your mammograms. Get your mammograms. I can't Very even brilliant. tell you. And, and everyone says to me, another interesting thing, they say, well, when did you feel the lump? I'm like, there was no lump. There was no lump, right. <laughs> you know? And for my family member, I don't know if there was lump. I don't think there was, but like, there's not always a lump. That's the thing, you know? Um, that's another sort of misconception. But I know I want to thank everyone at UNC Chapel Hill, um, their Lineberger Center. They are the A-team. And, and I want to point out that, you know, the first radiologist place I went to only noticed it in one spot. It was Chapel Hill that noticed it in the scariest spot underneath here. Um, and big thanks to my cousin, Amy, who works there and who guided me through. Um, and yeah, they were, they were amazing. And we're at the end of the show, we're going to put up their links so that people can donate. And I know you have a place too, Nick. Um, well, the BRCAFoundation.org, they, uh, receive donations and they, um, disperse those donations to research locations like Harvard or Stanford, mm -hmm. University of California and stuff, breast cancer research, um, ovarian cancer research. You know, there's a lot, a lot we don't know and, um, a lot of scary stuff out there. Yeah. So. And I mean, amazing science, like look at mm, yes. 20 years ago, yeah. we didn't have a lot of this. Is that mm -hmm. my phone ringing? Oh, good God. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Definitely. like 20 years ago, we didn't have yeah. this stuff, but because of donations, we do. So it really is amazing when you see these folks who, you know what I mean, are taking that research money and using it for great things for us to find out, for me to be able to take that test of 36 different genes, for you right. to be able to take your, you know, uh, gene tests and so forth. So yeah. anyway, I want to thank you for being on. Is there anything else you would like to say before we sign off? I miss you. <laughs> you just saw me two days ago. <laughs> You're going to see me like next week. Thank you. I miss you too. That's right. I am going to see you next week. Yes, you are going to see me next week. But I love you. Um, survivors together. Always in it. 40 something years. Um, so tell everyone, go get checked out. We're going to put it up on the screen. Please, please, please. If you like this episode, like it because then more people will see it online. <laughs> Share it because it's an important message and it's just real stuff. We just hit you with it as real as we could. Um, and subscribe to Hollywood Sports Mom because we talk about life stuff like this, the curveballs. We talk about fun athlete stuff and uh, gossipy stuff and uh, mm -hmm. marriage and kids and everything else. Um, and amazing people I met along the way, which I have a lot of really cool people I've met along the way. So subscribe, like the episode. Thank you, Nikki. I love you to pieces. Best friends forever. And uh, we will see you next time on Hollywood Sports Mom. Cheers.